Today we have several saints we could celebrate. First, we have St. Peter Chanel, martyr from the early 1800s uh, of the Society of Mary, the Maris. And he had great zeal to proclaim the gospel, inspired to go to the Pacific Islands. And it seemed like after some time, his mission there was a failure. And one day while praying, he was uh, martyred by the natives there. And it seemed like his mission then was a complete failure after that. But two years later, the entire island was, became Catholic. So this, you know, the seed of the church is the blood of the martyrs, you know, as seen in St. Peter Chanel. Uh, for all our healthcare professionals and in doctors and nurses, we have two special saints today that we can commemorate. We have uh, St. Gianna Mola, an Italian saint from uh, the 20th century, and she gave up her life in exchange for her uh, unborn baby. You know, the doctors were encouraging her to get, you know, an abortion because of her medical issues going on at that time. Uh, but she said, no, you know, do everything possible to keep the baby alive, you know, even if it meant that she died. And uh, at the parish I was at in Illinois, near Chicago, uh, there was actually a shrine to St. Gianna. So for anyone you know, watching in the live stream that's over in the Chicago region, uh, you can check out in Yorkville, St. Patrick's Catholic Church, uh, which the Marians run. Uh, there is a shrine to St. Gianna. Uh, the pastor there, Father Matt Lamoureux, uh, one of our Marians there is friends with the daughter of St. Gianna, and so was able to obtain some relics. So if you're ever out in the Chicago region, about 45 minutes west in Yorkville, there's a uh, special shrine to St. Gianna. And there's another saint uh, I only just learned about, uh, Blessed Hannah Shonoska. Father Kaz uh, just texted me last night to ask if I could share a little bit about her. Uh, she's a nurse, a patron saint of nurses, also from the 20th century. Uh, you know, and today is the fifth anniversary of her beatification. And she was like Mother Teresa in her day. She not only cared for the sick, abandoned, and dying, but she also helped a young priest named Carol Votia, the future John Paul II, you know, to love and minister to them as well. And Blessed Hannah's strength to do what she did came from her deep faith and prayer life. You know, she was nourished at the table of the Lord and committed herself to a life of Christian, Christian witness as a secular woman and a religious tertiary. Uh, unfortunately, after World War II, Hannah was no longer able to practice her nursing skills at a regular hospital or as a nursing teacher uh, because of her strong religious beliefs. Uh, despite this, she continued to serve as a nurse by working as a community or parish nurse. Uh, and she extended you know, compassionate care to the abandoned, shut-ins, the elderly, and the dying. And you know, her unwavering dedication to her calling is a testament uh, to her strength and selflessness. You know, her life serves as an inspiration to us all. And so she's a great uh, patron for medical professionals, especially those who are overburdened by their work on behalf of the sick, you know, for she knew that especially the difficulties in caring for the sick. Um, so 
two, two medical saints today on April 28th who died on April 28th. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we have a fourth saint, and the one we're actually celebrating uh, liturgically is Saint Louis de Montfort, uh, the great promoter of uh, true devotion to Mary. And he uh, was born in the 1600s, uh, ministered in the 1700s in France, in a time in which there was much uh, confusion. We had, they had the, the Jansenists causing a certain rigidity, uh, you know, almost kind of like a Calvinistic version of, of uh, Catholicism, uh, which provided no hope for many people to practice their faith. Uh, there was also, you know, the Protestants uh, causing confusion for some of the Catholics, and uh, and then there was just Catholics who were not practicing their faith. And Saint Louis de Montfort, you know, ministered tirelessly uh, with great zeal to uh, to overcome and work in the vineyard of the Lord. You know, just like uh, Saint Paul, and we heard in the first reading, he had great zeal. First, that zeal was uh, aimed at persecuting Christians. In a sense, he was you know, cold. He wasn't lukewarm. He was zealous, but in the wrong way. And so he has this conversion experience and uh, is struck with a great light. You know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? You know, those words would stick with Paul the rest of his life, you know, for the theology of the church, meaning that everyone in the body of Christ are his members. And whatever evil is done to the body of Christ, any disciples of his is done to him. Whatever good, especially caring for the sick and the poor uh, and those oppressed, any good done, any works of mercy done to uh, the body of Christ and his members are also done to him. And Paul with this great light, he is struck blind. You know, a great symbol for all of us who are blinded by sin, blinded by pride. Uh, and he has his conversion experience. And well, you know, what can he do after uh, you know, he's uh, converted? He, he can only direct that zeal in serving Christ in the church. He says he becomes a slave of Christ, you know, in a sense, he went to Damascus to enslave the Christians there and bring them to prison. And how ironic then it is that he is led captive, blind, you know, and has to be led by hand to Damascus and only to be uh, released by Ananias. Uh, and once he has seen the light, he can't turn back. You know, some uh, spiritual uh, authors say that uh, Paul almost had basically a, a the beatific vision, almost like a foretaste, and that is what fueled so much zeal for him in his mission, despite all the hardships he would endure. And all these saints that we you know commemorate today all endured the same kind of hardships, endured so many hardships in their life from without the church and even from within the church. It's just the way it works. In that suffering, like St. Paul says, make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, uniting that sacrifice of love that Christ offered on the church. And 
once those saints, especially like St. Louis de Montfort, once they see uh, who Christ is, they can't just do anything but help others come to see who Christ is. Uh, you know, St. Louis de Montfort, even when he was very young, it seemed like he was gifted with uh, just a great uh, vision of who God is and uh, how to remain in union with God. You know, his conscience was very uh, delicate, uh, so much so that he was always made fun of by, you know, friends and classmates. Even his family was kind of uh, almost annoyed how uh, devout he was, you know, spending hours as a child in prayer, uh, in, uh, praying to the Blessed Virgin uh, in school, you know, always stopping by to visit the Blessed Sacrament before and after class. Uh, there's a story that in his father's library, uh, there was a book which had uh, what he considered some indecent illustrations. And so he, he threw the book into the fire, even though he knew it would make his father furious. His father was very known for having a, a uh, hot temper. Um, and he knew that it would make his father mad, but nonetheless, he felt convicted to you know, get rid of this temptation, you know, this near occasion of sin. And St. Louis de Montfort admitted too, he was also known for having a, a hot temper. I think there's a story once where some people were uh, in the distance mocking him, uh, mocking God, rather, um, while he was trying to preach. So there's a story that he, if I remember right, went and, uh, you know, I think just punched one of those uh, hecklers um, to, to basically shut them up. Um, and I think, you know, he admitted, you know, it wasn't exactly the right thing to do, but he had that hot temper, which was only tempered by the gentleness of his devotion to Mary. Uh, so, you know, that spirit of gentleness, he always wanted to imitate uh, Mother Mary's, uh, you know, gentle sweetness and tender affection for, for all. And, you know, just like St. Paul uh, describes himself as a slave of Christ, St. Louis de Montfort, uh, you know, also wanted to promote that, to be slaves of Christ by especially being slaves of Mary. Uh, he, you know, he promoted extensively true devotion to Mary. You know, it's more than just uh, saying your rosary mindlessly. You know, you have to have uh, a true wholesome devotion that extends throughout your whole life, your, your whole course of your day, not just uh, 15 minutes of prayer in one day. And he would describe that, you know, I'm totally yours, Mary. And that was something John Paul II took to heart. That was his motto, totus tuus, totally yours. Uh, and in being a slave of Mary, that is how he knew he would be a, a slave of Christ, serving Christ and his church completely uh, with uh, utmost zeal. Because if you're with Mary, you're with Jesus. Mary is completely immaculate. She's perfectly united to Jesus. Without, uh, without Mary, there is no Jesus. Uh, and so he, he knew that great importance. And another great aspect he knew of having devotion to Mary is great love of the Eucharist. You know, he, in his time, 
was encouraging daily communion, something unheard of in that time. Um, and so much so that it got him in trouble with uh, even the bishop uh, to be encouraging daily communion, uh, especially with the, the influence of the Jansenists. You know, we're not worthy, you know, you're lucky if you could even receive them once a year kind of thing. He said, no, we need the strength of the Eucharist. You know, as Jesus said in today's gospel, amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. You know, St. Louis de Montfort knew the meanings of those words, that we need Jesus in the Eucharist to have eternal life, to have the strength to carry out his work. And all the saints that we commemorate today, you know, they all had a great deep love of the Eucharist, if you look deeper into their life. Uh, and in the Eucharist, they not only receive their strength, but you know, receive the fulfillment of their reward, their promise by God. You know, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. If you stay close to Jesus in the Eucharist and consecrate to yourself to Mary, uh, you will be on that path of Christ. You know, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And so stay close to Jesus in the Eucharist and consecrate yourself to Jesus through Mary. Make yourself a slave of Mary, and you will remain on the way, the way to eternal life. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.